Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is protest distance support. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your socially distanced running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zentzalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so a little bit of backstory. We are in Portland, Oregon. It is July 21st as we tape, and we are at like the 55th day, 54th day of 54 protests. today. Mm-hmm. 54 will be today, I believe. So there are ongoing protests, both for Black Lives Matter and police reform. And both of us would dearly love to sort of help. Both of us have reasons why we feel we cannot actually physically be there protesting. Right. So we're trying to find ways where we can do something, even from afar. Well, and I think it's important even for folks who are out there who are trying to figure out and wrestling with, we opted to do this topic because we guess that there are many folks out there who would be present at these activities, but are discerning why or why they are not, and then looking for ways to be engaged. And so for myself, I will share that part of the reason why I am not yet or may not be ever present physically is because of my own health concerns and my own health reasons and understanding that while we have not seen a spike in COVID due to these protests, primarily because they are outdoors and because folks are maintaining distance most of the time, some of the time at this point, And also because everyone is really masked up a lot, partially because they're getting ready for tear gas, that it's still a high enough risk that with my health risks and my responsibilities to my wider community, I'm not taking that risk. That's also in partnership with my spouse and conversations about what our risk mitigation is within our household. And so I think it's important to understand that everyone's reasons for being present or not being present are going to be different based upon what your factors are in how you are interacting with COVID-19, not only how you feel about the protests themselves. There's the entire question of whether or not you agree with it or whether or not you would be going down to find out what you can see, right? If it weren't for COVID-19, there might be several folks who would go down just so they could see with their own eyes whether or not these are riots or whether these are protests. And right now, the whole COVID-19 factor on top of this, I think, is holding some folks back. As it should be. Yeah, that's utterly fair. So making the choice then to not physically be present at the protests, one thing that I have been doing is that I have been keeping vigil. I'd say all but maybe three nights of the 54. And someone that I know asked like, vigil, how are you, what are you doing in that? What do you mean by that? And what I mean by that is keeping vigil is something that you can do just by setting intentional space, right? To keep vigil is to keep watch, is to stay awake, to stay present, to pay attention. And one of the ways then that I do that is I'm a night person anyway. I'm a night owl. Yeah, you are. So it's easy on me 
to be a night owl and to be able to do this. And so most nights beginning around 1030 p.m. and running until at least 1 a.m., which is when I'm in my downtime, winding down, putting away work, resting with my dog. And my spouse is already asleep by that point because he works early in the morning. Then that's when I can start scrolling the Twitter feed and my Facebook feed and watching live broadcasts and reading updates from independent journalists who are on the ground at the protests. So are you doing this because you know people that are at these protests nightly? Are you doing this as a pastor watching over a flock of sheep, for lack of a better metaphor? Both and. Okay. Both because I have folks who are down there regularly, both as parishioners and as law enforcement folks who are responsible. And so as a pastor within this community, I keep vigil for me on behalf of being a witness, being present, being a witness, seeing what it is. And for journalists, it's important that they stay neutral, (laughs) right? Yeah. As a clergy person, I get to not necessarily stay neutral, but I oftentimes haven't been exceedingly public with my viewpoint, which is becoming more and more obvious as time goes on, because I think we have to at this point, particularly when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's our responsibility that white silence is violence, right? And so our privilege and our capacity, we have to speak up and say that the police brutality that we are seeing is unacceptable in a broken system. And so how, for me, my participation then in keeping vigil is both because I have people I love who are there protesting and also because I am watching what is happening to our community and praying and holding space and praying a lot for a lot of hours and praying for medics and praying for the houseless individuals who lived there and praying for the people in the apartments surrounding that block. It's 90 degrees in Portland right now. Can you imagine trying to cool your apartment off and not get tear gas in your window and you get tear gas in your window because it's all over downtown Right. And as an asthmatic, yeah, that's something that is heavy on my heart is the folks who are living there and who are facing the ramifications of this because of that. I'm happy you have given me sort of a different way to frame what I do nightly in terms of similarly scrolling through my Twitter feed and other social media outlets in fear a lot of times for what I'm going to find in the images that are going to be there and hope that you find images that are uplifting and encouraging. Mm-hmm. My fear at this point is that I had been doing what is called doom scrolling, where you're just mm. basically bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, can't break the cycle. But I love that I now have a way to reframe it in terms of a vigil and holding hope. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think that's something that's part of this distance support, right? To be a support from a distance for these movements, if we cannot physically be present, to witness them, 
and to validate that they matter beyond the 100 or 150 or last night by 2 a.m. there were maybe 300 people left, which was a huge jump from the last several weeks. Don't get me wrong. The last two days have really increased in attendance. But to be the witness and to hear the story, to allow it to change us and to keep the vigil. And maybe you light a candle. You can be as spiritually intentional about this practice as you wish. You could light a candle, you could say a formal prayer, and then you could begin to witness. In the same way that I would be doing if I were down on the street in my collar or vested in my alb and being a religious cleric witness within this space, I can't do that safely. And I would be a hazard for my friends because I wouldn't be able to keep up with them. And so I can do it from where I'm at and hold vigil and keep witness. And what I witness is not rioting. No. And I don't have cable TV, so I don't see what the mainstream media is showing of Portland right now. Yeah, I'm not sure what the spin on it is either because I'm similarly afflicted with no cable. I'm guessing from the stuff that I'm seeing that lots of people are like, don't believe what you're seeing. It's not a riot downtown. It's not a riot. The city is not under siege. It's fine. Like someone saying the city is under siege. I could go buy donuts right now if I wanted to go buy donuts. I'm not worried about driving into town. There's a little more graffiti than usual, but yeah. that's paint on a wall. Like, whatever. Yeah. I've had a lot of Life paint on Life is going the walls. on just fine. Yeah. So even to be able to counter that, right? Even to be able to see with my own eyes, what is the story of the space? What do I see happening before less lethal munitions are suddenly being employed? What am I seeing of the individuals interacting with officers immediately prior to feeling a nightstick on their back? What am I seeing with my eyes through their cameras? And what does that witness tell me about the reality of what is occurring? And that is part of keeping vigil for me. And so that's something we can do, right? You don't have to be present to be able to hold that vigil. And honestly, you don't have to watch. You could hold vigil by simply sitting and being still and praying for a shift and a change in a broken system that is harming people, right? Yeah, and for some, that's an important thing to hear because, to be honest, there are some incredibly disturbing images that are coming from the videos that you see. Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear the alternative of, even if you're not watching, you're still holding vigil and doing something. Absolutely. And there's a both and, right? There's the, we need to check our privilege in not having to see the violence. Sure. In choosing to not watch the violence, right? So check our privilege in that and understand that if we choose, like I may have watched the veteran be beaten, right? I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've watched that video, but I have not watched closely the video of the gentleman being shot in the head with ammunition, right? Because, and I did see that one, but I decided right. once was plenty. Right. And some of that is bear witness. Mm-hmm. 
and it's important to bear witness. And some of it is to know what is our capacity, even at a distance, or if we're present, what is our capacity of information to hold before our hope cracks so greatly that we cannot continue to engage with open hearts. And I think that that's an important thing that each of us is going to have to know on our own. And I want to lift up this system that we are seeing in action downtown in a five block radius nightly in Portland, Oregon right now this summer It is harmful to our officers, not because they're having water bottles thrown at them. I don't know. Tell me a parent that hasn't had a water bottle thrown at them. And that can come off really callous and really not sensitive of me. But I'll tell you, I cannot imagine a system where every item of clothing that I wear tells me that someone wants to kill me, that every day I go to work where my superiors tell me that someone wants to kill me and here's the five ways to prevent them from doing it. I can't imagine getting into a vehicle and waiting to be ambushed because everybody wants me dead. I can't imagine living that life, which is how our system is training our law enforcement officers. I cannot imagine living that life without my soul and my heart breaking and becoming a hardened embittered person who expects everyone to want me dead and reacting in response to that. Well, and it doesn't even have to be that extreme. My brother is a police officer in the Midwest. And the most heartbreaking thing I heard from him recently as he was having to go because he lives near a fairly large metropolitan area is that it was hard for him to just go to work knowing that the reason he got into this was not necessarily to play war games or have a car that can ram into things or to have a gun that he can shoot whenever he wants to. He really got into it to help people. Mm -hmm. And to then go to a job where he knows that so many people are mad at him just from the start, just because of what he does, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly hard. It's a hard mental thing for him to sort of navigate and figure out. And it breaks my heart. It's a broken system. Absolutely. It does not honor the individuals who desperately want to do nothing more than serve and protect, right? It is a harmful, broken system. And change needs to happen inherently for the sake and the good of everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those pieces that just is an important recognition of part and parcel of what is going on in Portland right now. Yep. So say you are or are not keeping visual, but you feel like you want to do something more, something more tangible. One thing that I have started to do as an introvert, I am not likely to make an actual phone call. (laughs) However, I will email and I will text and I found something called ResistBot recently, and that basically will help you compose all of your texts to anybody who is local in terms of state, legislature, Uh and governor, and up. Okay. And they have a wide variety of ways to make it really, really easy. Nice. That was delightful. I lift that up to anybody who wants a quick way. You can carve out five minutes a day, send out 10 texts, and feel good about what you've done so far. There you go. 
And if you are someone who isn't, who doesn't mind phone calls, five calls is another app that will help you and will automatically supply you with the phone numbers. And you just click in the app and they have the script for you, the information for you to give either to the person on the other side of the phone call that is taking the tally or the voice message machine. Tip, always thank the person on the other side of the line. If you make a phone call, always thank them because their entire job is to sit there and to take tallies. You can be quick, you can be succinct, and you can be grateful for their service. It's a kind thing to recognize the humanity of them. Absolutely. Okay, so there are also ways for local companies that you can give feedback for either the good that they're doing or the things that you would like to criticize them for? Absolutely, or kind of challenge them on. So right now, Marriott and Enterprise are aiding the federal troops that have come in without request from either our governor, our legislators, or our local mayor and they are housing and giving supplies to these federal troops. We may think that that is commerce. They have to sleep somewhere and they need vehicles. Yes, and as a company, these companies make decisions to participate in that activity. And so as citizens, it's our right to be able to put pressure on those companies, to Marriott and to Enterprise, to say, don't support them. By supplying them with rental vehicles, you are aiding and abetting activities that are harmful to our community, that are taking people from the street without knowing who is arresting them, why they are being arrested, or where they are going. And it can feel absolutely terrifying to be pulled into a rental vehicle. Oh, yeah by someone who won't identify themselves as to what organization they are from. And so it is our ability as citizens to be able to contact Enterprise and say, please don't support them in this way, or to contact Marriott and say, please don't support them this way. On the other side, you're also hearing stories locally of businesses and companies like the Portland Center Stage has an armory building downtown, and they are opening their lobby area for the protesters to come and get a break from things, use a bathroom, there's hand sanitizer available, snacks and water if needed, and even masks. Mm-hmm. So you can help give feedback and support for them if you think that's something that you are happy to see being done in the community. Absolutely. And then there's organizations like those that are on the ground in the protests doing work that in any other given time we would be lauding and celebrating. For example, Riot Ribs is an organization, not really even an organization, a a group of folks who are feeding thousands of people at no charge every single day for 24 hours a day in an area of our town that has a lot of houseless individuals. Yeah. And any other time we would be delighted by having this 24-7 food service going right now because they are associated with the protesters. They are having their stuff taken away. They have been gassed multiple times a night. Several of them have felt the impact of munitions on their own bodies. They're not the only ones that are helping feed the protesters. They just happen to be the ones that are getting the attention on the social media at this point. Search out others if you're looking for a way to donate to somebody who is doing something. 
something like that. Absolutely. And Riot Ribs also in the area around them, they're also supplying much needed supplies such as tampons and toothpaste and clothing and socks and underwear. They're serving the houseless population in that neighborhood in a way that we as a church and a congregation have also done in the past. Sure. They're doing it in a different way. And it is part and parcel of what they are about. And so Riot Ribs is one that people may want to look up and look into to find out who they are. There are, of course, various others who are being of support. Street medics. Yep. Bail funds for the people who are being arrested. You can help donate to get them out. Local reporters and newspapers, particularly the independent reporters, who have been down there for 50 nights or more. Maybe they've taken a night or two off. I finally connected with a few of them on Twitter in a way that I haven't before. I found the right hashtag or the right way in. And it's utterly fascinating to see local reporting being done in an age where we just don't think of it as necessary anymore, but it's more necessary now than ever. Right. So I would definitely encourage people to go support the paper or organization that they're working for and to help these people. Absolutely. And I have a friend who's a journalist and more and more and more these kinds of stories, these local stories, what is happening on the streets, particularly around protests, are being covered best by local journalists, by journalists who are on the ground every single night with the press pass putting their lives in danger. And part of what is bringing the ACLU to Portland and part of what is increasing the reaction here in Portland is that our press corps, our independent press corps, are being targeted. Several of them have had canisters or things actually hit them that are supposed to hit the ground. And press are neutral parties. And They're there to tell the story and to be present to document, and they are being targeted very much so. So following them, tipping them, supporting them financially if you're able, finding a local newspaper to support. If you're not in the Portland area and there are protests and things happening in your area, for example, Louisville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. there is no one covering the Breonna Taylor protests more effectively than the local Louisville paper. And they're getting awards for it. Yeah. And they're running a deal right now. So seriously, like find out who your local paper is. Well, and that's the other thing, right? You don't even have to keep to your own local paper. I will probably donate to my own tiny little small towns paper. Right. Because they're doing wonderful things covering the immigrant issue in my tiny little hometown in the Midwest. Absolutely. And it's critical being able to find those places where our stories are being told It really matters right now. Okay, this is going to take me to my last question. Do you have a preferred way to stay informed? A couple of different ways, but primarily in the evenings when I'm keeping vigil, the things that I'm doing is I'm finding my friends, so individuals that I personally know and have a relationship with, and I'm watching their live streams. And I'm making certain that I'm hearing their story and checking in with them personally because I know them. I can vouch what I'm hearing is true and accurate and good, right? Mm -hmm. So that is one way if I have a friend who's down there on any given night. 
if I don't have a friend who's down there on any given night, then I will watch some of the other streamers who have been consistent on Facebook. Or if it's late enough at night that my spouse is asleep and I don't want the noise of the stream, then I will go to Facebook and I have a set of four or five of the consistently embedded journalists that live tweet through the entire evening. And I will scroll and watch them. It started with me watching the PPB Twitter okay, and the Portland Police Bureau's Twitter to be able to say, wow, they're calling it a riot really early tonight. What is going on? And then going and finding out, oh, well, they're at the, the one I'm thinking of right now is the first time that the protest was at the union building, the police union building up, mm-hmm. up, up by Lombard. Right. And that got called riot at like 1030 p.m. And normally it doesn't get called a riot till and- later. Till like 12, 30, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock, which is when they can start bringing out the munitions and crowd control devices. So that's one way. I don't read the comments. Let me be clear. I don't read the comments. And I don't, as someone in vigil mode for me, I don't post a lot about it. Okay. And I don't comment. No, it's, it's passive. I never comment on stuff either. And I could. Yeah. But that's how I'm staying in touch. That's how I'm finding what's going on. I'm watching PPB's Twitter I'm watching these independent journalists and trying to go from there. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about protest support from a distance. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening in. If you feel God calling you to this kind of work, please be safe. Please be kind. Being kind does not always equal being nice. But it does mean being truthful, and it does mean holding up the humanity of all people as the preeminent goal. So hold to your values, be kind to those around you, be safe. Remember, COVID is still out there. And remember, God loves you, no matter what.